in preparation this morning to receive the sacraments of Lord's Supper. It's my privilege to open God's Word with you in the first place. So we turn in the Holy Bible to Exodus chapter 12. Where we'll read together the verses 1 through 28. This morning we're going to move right in from the reading of God's word into the proclamation of it. So our reading is also going to cover our text, which is the verses 24 through 27a. Let's read from God's word from Exodus 12. Hear the word of the Lord speak to the church as follows. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat you, each can eat you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat that flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. 
and you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Here begins our text. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you hear the words Canada Day or Remembrance Day, what comes to your mind? These are memorial days and they exist for this reason, to remind as well as to teach us of cherished history and values. It's to remind every next generation of a defining moment in the history of our nation and to teach the next generation about that very moment. Well, so it is with the sacraments. They were instituted for the benefit of both parents and children. They were instituted to remind and to teach and so today we are reminded and taught by the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper that Jesus Christ paid for our slavery to sin and that he gives us freedom, new life in the promises of our God, which is, of course, something worth remembering, worth memorializing and passing on to the next generation. I proclaim to you this morning this word of our God, the Lord's Passover, a lasting ceremony for the generations. 
And we'll see two things coming out of our text. This ceremony inspires a question, and it also imparts the answer to the question. So in the first place, we see that this ceremony, the Passover ceremony, imparts, it provokes a certain question, inspires a question. In Exodus 12, as we've just read together, Moses recounts for us the Passover preparations that God's people were to make. We need to review some of these preparations in order to appreciate the kind of reaction they actually inspired. So just what did the menu of the Passover look like? Well, the main dish was, of course, the lamb. A year-old male without blemish. The blood of that young lamb was to be drained into a basin, and it was to be smeared on the top and on the sides of the doorframe of the houses. Afterwards, that lamb was roasted in the fire and consumed in its entirety. Now, there were also some side dishes. They had to roast the meat of the lamb and eat it with bitter herbs as well as bread made without yeast. But Moses had to pass on these regulations to God's people. The focus of Exodus 12, however, is not merely on the regulations themselves. Our text underlines for us, and it's something that seems to recur throughout the chapter, underlines for us that this was not to be a one-time event. God wanted the Passover to be a permanent fixture in Israel's calendar. Verses 24 and 25, You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. So this celebration was to be an annual event, a lasting ordinance to be kept throughout the generations. So Passover was a feast to remember. It was clearly intended for those generations that did not participate in the Exodus itself. For the great deeds of the Lord are for his people, they're meant to be passed on and continually celebrated. So the Israelites first celebrated the Passover in Egypt, And they continue to celebrate it over the 40 years they spent wandering in the wilderness. Numbers 9 speaks about that, for example. They remembered the feast in the promised land as well, already very shortly after Joshua led them across the Jordan River. Joshua 5, verse 10 and 11. Now the older generation of Israelites who year after year celebrated the Passover meal, they would have understood its meaning. They would have understood it as the ceremony that defined the nation of Israel. But of course, the same could not be said of the younger generation. couldn't be said for the young children. So put yourself in the sandals of a Jewish lad in Israel each year, In the first month of the new year, on the tenth day, dad goes out to pick a young male lamb from the flock. On the fourteenth day, he slaughters it, drains its blood, roasts it, 
prepares it for eating. Mom cleans out all the yeast from within the house and then bakes the Passover, bakes the bread for the Passover feast. She makes a salad as well. It's made up of bitter herbs. I suspect you can well imagine the reaction of the boy. We have to eat a lump of heavy dough and we have to stomach that platter of bitter herbs as well. Well, the Lord God anticipates these inquisitive minds. He says through Moses, expect this question from your little ones. What do you mean by this service? Why do we have to eat all this, do all this? Well, it's worth pointing out at this moment who heard God's instruction here through Moses. Not every Israelite was present. Rather, we read in verse 21 that Moses gave these instructions to the elders of Israel. In other words, the heads of households, the fathers. The point is that it is the fathers who are responsible to answer their children's questions, to tell the children the Passover significance. Dad should not be sending the children off to mom for an answer. God's ordinance is that the father, first of all, is the family educator, teacher. And in this educational process, the father and mother are encouraged to do more than simply pass on information about past events and present demands to their children It's clear from our text that especially the father should also inspire the curiosity of the children. Now that naturally happens as a result of your walk and talk, as a response to it. Children ask you why you do the things that you do. But the Lord God wants to see that your children have numerous chances to pick up not just on anything, but on godly things. As parents, we have to exhibit the grace, wisdom, knowledge of God to our children. Your words and your works have to be done in faithfulness to God for his glory and for the benefit of your children. You teach your children about the God of the covenant, about Christ and his death, about the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts and your heart. But you also teach them by faithfully reading and praying around the dinner table, by regularly praying with them, by being consistently faithful in church attendance, Sooner or later, in response to these and other like things, they may ask, why do we do this? What does this mean, Dad? Biblical education starts within the four walls of your home. It starts with an open Bible for yourself, so you are then able to teach. With the strength and the wisdom of the Lord, You teach your children to understand and preserve and to follow all the teachings of God's covenant. 
You work to inspire questions in them. To lead them forward to the God of heaven and earth. So that they may in turn remember and celebrate the saving work of their God in Jesus Christ. That's now our second point that this ceremony is also to impart the answer. For when the children were curious to know what this Passover ceremony meant for them and for their parents, the father was to say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our homes. With the sacrificial lamb sitting on the dinner table, along with all the other fixings, the father had these visual aids to impart the answer to the children. In other words, the Lord here is telling the fathers, by celebrating Passover, you have all the tools at your fingertips to teach your children what this ceremony means to you as parents and to your children. You can teach them all about when I redeemed you so long ago. That is when I pass over your home because of that blood that you put on your doorpost. So brothers and sisters, the ceremony itself passes on the answer to the children. And what was central to the feast and then would have been central to the father's teaching was that sacrifice of the lamb. It was the dying substitute for the life of the people. The Israelites were sinners who were worthy of damnation and destruction at the hand of the angel of death, just as much as the, as the Egyptians. But they were spared from death and could participate in the Passover meal only because the Lord had accepted their offering of blood on the doorposts. So Passover was not just intended to recall Israel's deliverance from Egypt. It was also about salvation from sin. The blood was a sign for both God and for his people. When God looked down and saw the blood, he knew that his justice towards sin had been satisfied. And when the people saw, they looked and saw the blood, they knew that their sins were taken care of. They were covered. Passover revealed the blood basis of God's covenant. Salvation would only come by bloodshed. That's what Israel's sins required. And so to answer their children's question about the Passover ceremony, the fathers in Israel had to tell them all about Egypt, about how dad and mom, grandpa and grandma were slaves to Pharaoh, how they had to endure backbreaking labor from dawn till dusk, etc., Fathers also had to pass on how they escaped this slavery, not by their own efforts, but by the God of the covenant, who forgave them their guilt through the shedding of blood and delivered them from the enemy. 
on the run. So Passover was about getting saved. It reminded the Israelites that they have been delivered from death by a perfect substitute whose blood was shed for sin. And so the blood on the doorposts pointed toward the coming blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was going to die instead of the Israelites. That's the gospel in all of its glory. That's the message of the Bible, the wonderful news of substitution. Sinners are spared because Christ died in our place. You and I are covered by the blood Christ shed on the cross. Our beloved, God has given us today a feast to remember. A lasting ordinance for the generations. It's the Lord's Supper. It's to be a lasting reminder of God's final and definitive act of deliverance from sin. Christ shed his blood once for all for your sins, for your deliverance. And so a new meal with new elements is in order. Christ gave us this gospel feast when he instituted the Lord's Supper. And so like the Israelites were reminded of the Exodus, we are reminded today of the cross and the great sacrifice of Christ every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And like the Israelites of later generations in some fashion participated once more in the Exodus via the celebration of the Passover. So we, by partaking of the bread and wine, are participating in Christ's death and resurrection. The Holy Spirit brings this about. We participate in the work of Christ by virtue of our union with him. More on that this afternoon. We are one with him. The Lord's Supper has always been a means of underlining for future generations that we are Christ's and therefore Christ is ours. This is what we may pass on to our children concerning this lasting ordinance. The Lord's Supper is for those who truly believe the riches of the gospel of grace in Christ. Brothers and sisters, what does this ceremony mean for you? Do this in remembrance of me, the Lord said. The Lord's Supper, a lasting ceremony for the generations of covenant members. Always remember that you are sinners saved by the blood and body of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, your only Savior. Celebrate with joy, with reflection, and with that brimming anticipation of the marriage feast of the Lamb to come. Amen.